Alrighty, so we are embarking on a brand new journey this morning called Strongholds. Well done, team. They're getting so creative with their decor. And uh, it comes from this verse, Psalm 27, verse 1. It actually starts like this. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This journey is to journey from... From strongholds which don't come from the Lord to having the Lord as our stronghold. What we're going to be doing over this journey is recognizing that this thing called strongholds, a stronghold is actually simply, it's, it's a word for a fortress or a prison. Now David, who wrote this psalm, knew all about strongholds. He lived in, a, I suppose they had these castle type fort structures and the safest place in that castle or wherever it was, was the stronghold. That was, the, that was where the king, if he was under attack, that's where he went to be safe. And David, as someone, before he made it to the palace, was uh, in the desert and he was being hunted down by Saul and the army. And David discovered strongholds, not fancy ones built of brick, but he would sometimes have to hide in caves, up in rocks, in mountains, and they became the stronghold for him against the enemy. But strongholds are not just positive things from God. Strongholds are things that the enemy builds into our lives as well. A stronghold is very simply something that has a strong hold over your life. And the most powerful strongholds are not things on the outside, but they strongholds right here in our thinking. And what we're going to be doing over this journey is recognizing some of the strongholds that the enemy tries to build into our mind and into our thinking. We're going to look at how they destroyed by the power of Jesus, the cross and his blood and his name, and find Jesus as our stronghold. So that's the journey ahead of us, and we're super excited about it. It's going to stretch us. Hopefully it's going to stretch you listening. It's certainly going to stretch some of us preaching because we really want to be specific about some of the strongholds that we deal with. So I'm going to take us to a passage today. Today I'm going to do a bit of an introduction and then focus on the weapons that we need to prepare in our lives if we're going to demolish strongholds in our lives. And this journey, I'm really praying, is not going to be a journey where we come out on the other side saying, oh, that was entertaining, that gave me food for thought. No, we want to see transformation. We want to see people really having the courage to deal with some issues, and some of them could be long-standing issues in your life that are rooted in enemy thinking, which we want to destroy. And so get us prepared for that. I want to be looking at some weapons of warfare today as we get ready to demolish strongholds. So a key passage we're going to be alluding to, referring to quite a few times, comes from 2 Corinthians. So today I want to focus on that passage and draw some things out of that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. Paul speaking to a church in Corinth where they'd had to deal with a whole lot of stuff. And he says, By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, ah, Paul, whom timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's the context we're going to be talking about. Paul, in fact, knew how to wage Christian warfare and because of his revelation of Jesus, he realized that Christian warfare is very different to worldly warfare. If I was coming to you and I wanted to, uh, 
I suppose I wanted to be at war with someone. You would come with confidence. You'd come with aggression. You'd come with loudness. Paul came, and he says, in the humility and gentleness of Christ. He comes into a church that have got strongholds. There's issues in their lives that need to be broken. And instead of coming and saying, deal with this and deal with it, he comes with the humility and gentleness of Christ. The church misunderstood it. They thought, hey, this guy's timid. He's not very confident. Paul says, no, you completely missed the weapons of our warfare. You see, one of the weapons, we're going to look at in a moment, if I came to you telling you all the things you've done wrong and all the things you should be doing right, you'll probably get defensive and hard in your heart. But Paul came in gentleness, humility, with a vulnerability. He opened up his heart to them, and the people began to open up their heart to him, and transformation happened. You see, in the kingdom of God, I mean, he's speaking to Greek people. He's speaking to Romans. And, and you've seen those Roman soldiers and you've seen the Greek gods. They all look so powerful and intimidating. And yet Paul comes with gentleness and humility. And he reveals the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. If you want to break strongholds, it starts with a gentleness and humility. We're going to need to get vulnerable with one another and allow the Holy Spirit in to come and bring transformation. It says in verse number four, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I love that. And that's why we want to know these weapons. You're going to recognize as we go through this journey, there are strongholds in your life, just as they are in mine, that God wants to destroy. These weapons, not your hard work, not your willpower, not your New Year's resolution, but the weapons that God gives us have divine power to demolish these strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So let's dive straight into it. What is a stronghold? A stronghold, especially as we're referring to what Paul is talking about here, stronghold is actually a way of thinking, a way of thinking that has a strong hold over you. Now, all of us have an experiences in the past. We have a background. Things have happened to us that have shaped the way we think. Now, the enemy's strategy is he knows that the way you think is going to affect the way you behave. So instead of trying to change your behavior, first he wants to change the way you think. When the devil came to Eve, he first tried to change her thinking. Did God really say? Is it really so bad to eat this fruit? God's actually a little bit insecure. He knows if you ate this fruit, you'd be wise like he is. That's why he, she, he could change the way she thought. So she changed her behavior. He changed her behavior. In the same way, they're going to come down to, to thought patterns that have become entrenched in our lives. Now, I'm going to use some strong words, but I believe them. Demonically inspired thought patterns. I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. I'm saying that the enemy is trying to build demonically inspired thought patterns in our lives that end up controlling our behavior. That's why we've got the smashing ball here, because they need to be destroyed. Each of us, as we come to Christ, because of our background and our heart motives, carry around in our mind demonically inspired thought patterns that need to be destroyed if we want to live in the freedom of Christ. And he mentions two things. He mentions arguments and pretensions. Strongholds are built. They're rooted in one of these two things. Arguments are justifications. 
You might read something in the Bible, and obviously it doesn't apply to me because of this or this or this. And we build up arguments or justifications. Well, my sin's not really sin because of this and this and this. We build up arguments that prevent us from submitting to God's Word. Let me uh, give an example. Let's say you were young and you didn't have good parents. Your dad was just not interested in you. In fact, maybe it was worse. Maybe you come from an abusive background. Your understanding of of people who should love you, parents, they, they should protect you and love you, but he was the one who actually abused me or abandoned me. So in your mind, what begins to think is, is actually the very ones who should love me betrayed me. And so it builds a stronghold in your mind. People can't be trusted. So as you grow up and you enter adulthood, the enemy has established a stronghold in your thinking. Never open up your heart completely to someone because people can't be trusted. And then you wonder why years later, your marriage struggles, your parenting struggles, you never aim to connect and be intimate with someone because all your life you've been carrying a stronghold, people can't be trusted. Does that make sense? That's what we're talking about here. Arguments that we build up inside of our mind. Let me give you some others. Men are pigs. Some of you laugh because you've been tempted to think that before. That happens. When people have been abused, let down, hurt, lived under some man who's controlled. And and so now actually, it's become a stronghold in their thinking. Money makes the world go round. Many people think that. Because actually, isn't life all about money? Money is the key to happiness. And that's become such a stronghold. If we just had money, we'd be fine. Most people kind of in their priority system, God's here, but money's here. Money has the final say because money makes the world go round. becomes a stronghold that controls all of our behavior. There is escape in a bottle. It's become your way of thinking. Or you can put whatever favorite drug you might have. When the going gets tough, I know I can escape to the bottle, escape to a pill, escape to a something, and find relief. For some, sex is love. And all my life, I just want to be loved. I just want to be loved. And in my thinking, sex is love. So I'll sleep with you and you and you and you and you looking for love because in my mind, my thinking, the stronghold is sex equals love. I'll always be a failure. Maybe as a kid, you were spoken over. Your parents, you'll never amount to much. You'll never amount to much. You'll never, and you've begun to believe it. The enemy's constructed a stronghold in your mind. And for the rest of your life, unless it's smashed in Jesus' name, You'll expect failure. Things start going well, but you know what? It's just a question of time before it all falls down because I'm a failure. It's just a question of time before things go wrong. We build up arguments. We build up, secondly, he speaks about pretensions. Pretensions, the, the kind of words behind that are, are lofty things, arrogant things. Just as one is an argument of the mind, the other is about identity. The other is a pretension. In other words, basically, I'm above the word of God. I can understand why these words in the Bible are, you guys need to hear it, but for me it's different because of this and this and this. There's an arrogance that separates us from submitting to God. Once again, let me give you some examples. Nobody tells me what to do. Now maybe you'd never say it out loud, but maybe you've thought it before. Nobody tells me what to do. I've had people come to me quite righteous, sanctimoniously say to me, Pastor, I submit to God, but I submit to no man dummy. (laughs) I mean, that's completely contrary to the Word of God. 
In fact, you can't submit to God by not submitting to man because God says submit to leaders, to people. What about this one? As we know, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't actually say that. But what happens sometimes is we build this, actually, if I don't make it happen, it's never going to happen. And so instead of being vulnerable before God, I've got to make it happen. God helps those who help themselves. For all of those older folk who used to sing along with Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And and then we wonder, we miss that joy of submitting to his word. Kind of that, that formed the basis in some way. That was the rally cry behind humanism. It's about me. It's about my way. Charity starts where? Charity starts at home. Ever heard of that one? And then you wonder why you never find the joy of giving and generosity. Because actually, no, 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 if you're going to be generous, first be generous here, first be generous here. No, no, that's not exactly what the Bible says. The world owes me. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Now, I know none of you, this applies to other people, but just... See, each one of these are pretensions. they arrogant thoughts which we build up about ourselves, which keep us separated from submission to God. Now, these are just some examples. Maybe you can actually admit that some of them might be going on in your own thinking. But each of them are examples of strongholds in our thinking, which keep us separated from the life of God. And so we're going to be looking over the next couple of weeks. We're going to face things like fear as a stronghold, rejection and shame as a stronghold, substance abuse, as a stronghold, lust, greed, and racism, all strongholds which we build in our mind. Now, the goal is not to manage a stronghold, it's to demolish it. I love it. Paul said, we demolish strongholds. Strongholds cause patterns in our thinking. And now here's one thing I've learned. You can change circumstances, but patterns remain. Maybe if you look back on your life, you might start recognizing patterns. You know, my boss He's related to Satan. There's no way I could ever work with something like that. And so you end up quitting your job. It's not you, it's your boss. He's just unfair, he's unless. And then you find a new job and guess what? Satan's cousin works there. <laughs> and you go from boss to boss to boss and all of them are related to Satan. Guess what? You're the one who's got the strongholds. Circumstances change, patterns remain. You get married and you married a loser. So you get out of that marriage and marry someone else, a loser. You know where I'm going with that. We need to demolish them. I love the way he says we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You see, what Paul understood is that big strongholds are actually built on flimsy lies. Now, what we're going to be doing over these next couple of weeks is trying to identify what are the flimsy lies that the enemy has built strongholds in our lives. And I'm praying even as we preach through these things, you'd begin to recognize, you know what? I have been believing that all my life. And that's why we're going to be a little bit vulnerable as we try and pinpoint. If you can find the light, take captive the thought and then make it obedient to Christ. That's not what God's word says. This is what God's word says. And strongholds are destroyed. It says in Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
We've got to renew those things where the enemy had a lie that we built our behavior on. We've got to replace it with truth, renew our minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I want to mention four weapons that we're going to be using over the next couple of weeks. Number one, I mentioned already, is humility as a weapon. Humility means we have the courage to take the focus of ourselves and put it on God. Humility means we're going to open up our hearts and be vulnerable because vulnerability is contagious. And vulnerability opens the door for God to access our hearts. Paul said, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Why humility is so important in 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 7, it says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility. That's all we're going to need. Some of us, we're going to have to change our dress code and clothe ourselves with humility because God opposes the proud but shows favor or gives grace to the humble. That's why. Where there's humility, God's grace flows and we're going, to, we're going to be destroying strongholds. We need His grace to flow, to access our hearts. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. What does humility look like? I spoke about it last week. One of the key aspects of humility is the courage to confess. If we're going to destroy strongholds, we have to bring them, take captive those thoughts, and make them obedient to Christ, which means bringing them out of the darkness and into the light. Let me say something about that. I know what it's like to be on both ends of confession. I know what it's like to go to someone, even as a pastor, but let me tell you, it gets worse. I wish, I thought when you became a pastor, temptation goes and now you just like float on a cloud of righteousness. Sadly, that is not true. And so I know what it's like as a young Christian, I know what it's like as a pastor going to a mate, to a friend, to a leader and having to vulnerably say, I'm failing in this area. I'm stumbling in this area. And everything inside of your flesh says, if you admit this area of failure, they're never going to respect you again. You see right there, that's a lie of the enemy. Being on the other side of the equation, I've had many people come to me over the years to confess their failures to me. And I can tell you this with all integrity, I have never, ever respected someone less for confessing something. I've always respected them more. Because I know the courage, the boldness and humility it takes to bring things out of the dark. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm asking you, yes, it's good to confess to God. But sometimes if there's a pattern and you're trusting for a smashing of a, of a stronghold, it's good to actually speak to someone. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that you will be healed. I'm trusting each one of us over the next couple of weeks, might need to sit with someone you trust, one of the pastors, home group leader, good mature Christian friend, and say, I'm failing in this area. I just, I don't need advice. I know what I'm supposed to do. I just want to bring it out of the darkness, break the power of the enemy's hold, and let the light of Christ shine upon it. Weapon number two is God's word, and we know it. Remember Ephesians 6 and 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and I love that because I always think about the kind of that sword. Remember the kids' ministry type swords? And my only problem is I always wonder which way the sword is actually pointing. Because it says the Word of God is sharper, is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates 
to separate soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It divides the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Actually, God's word needs to first pierce here before it ever pierces there. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29, God says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces? And you love that? That's what we want right there. We want God's word to be like a hammer. Remember Jesus in the desert and, and the devil comes to him to tempt him? you the son of God. Why don't you just talk to these stones, turn these stones into bread, and then Jesus didn't pull out his iPhone with a Bible app. He didn't even pull a Bible out of his backpack and throw or scroll or two and find where it's written. Out of his heart, he quotes Deuteronomy, what's it, uh, 10 verse 8, I think, something like that. And he says, no, 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 man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of my father. He's not quoting scripture, he's quoting it out of his heart. One of the things I love so much, uh, many of you will know Tians and Marilise. Marilise keeps on talking about a truth verse. You're going to need a truth verse. Now, if we're going to smash strongholds, the picture I have in my mind is like David and Goliath. It says, David, about to face Goliath, he runs down to the stream, which is significant. Why don't you just pick up a nice sharp stone and fling it at the guy? He goes to the stream and he finds nice round pebbles. For, for a stone to become round and smooth, it has to be in the water a long time. It's a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit who is the river of life. If we can find those truth scriptures, truth scripture is something God gives you by His Holy Spirit. It's that word, that prophetic word from, his, from the Bible, which has the power to bring down a giant. And I'm trusting, even as we preach through this, as you meditate, as you pray, that God would give you truth scriptures. That when you take those verses and you memorize them, it says in Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David picks up those stones. It says he put it into his shepherd's bag. I'm praying that we will pick up some of those smooth stones over this journey and put them into our hearts. I come from a, a background. One of the strongholds in my life was, was a poverty mentality. Now, what that means is, is you kind of always, what if I run out? And so I battle to spend money, let, just in case, let me hold it back. I, I really battle to spend money on myself. Let's just hold it back just in case. What if I run out? What if I haven't got enough tomorrow? And I was reading once from, uh, from Matthew 6. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? In that moment, there's a truth verse that jumped out to me. That's the problem, Brent. This has got nothing to do with money. This has got to do with the fact that you don't think you are that valuable to your heavenly Father. And in that moment, I realized freedom right there. And I've had to store that verse in my heart, Brent. Are you not much more valuable than they? And now every time I think, Yo, do I spend the money? Don't I spend the money? Should I hold back? Are you not much more? valuable than that. Does that make sense? That's an example of a truth verse for me, a weapon against a stronghold so that it'll be smashed and we can live in freedom. Weapon number three is obedience. The Word of God is not a magic formula. The Word of God applied releases life. In John 8 verse 31, Jesus, he speaks to the Jews and it says to the Jews in verse 31 and 32, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. 
if you hold to my teaching. In other words, if you take my teaching and live it out. So he's speaking to him. He says, right, take my words. And if you live them out, then you're really my disciples. And then in verse 32, it says, then. When you see a then, you have to say when, when. When you've taken his word and lived it out, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Isn't that interesting? To know the truth is not, oh, I've heard the truth. That doesn't set you free. To live the truth sets you free. You see, this is a big difference between the world and the kingdom of God. In the world, if I know something and I'm convinced of it, okay, that makes sense to me, now I'll try it. But in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. You have to try, you have to do it to know it. Does that make sense? In the world, we've got to know it to do it. But in the kingdom of God, we've got to do it to know it. What do you mean love your enemies? That's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. No, no. Do it and you'll realize the truth of it, and it'll set you free. So, uh, oh, running out of time, but uh, Zacchaeus was an amazing example. He had a stronghold. Zacchaeus was a short tax collector guy up in a tree, wanted to see Jesus. The stronghold of his life was money. What he always wanted was love and acceptance, and the enemy had connected the dots for him. If you've got lots of money and can impress people with your money, they will love you, respect you, and accept you. Yes, And so that's why he's happy to steal money from these to impress those so that he could be loved and respected. Jesus walks under his tree, looks up to him and says, hey, Zach, I'm coming for lunch at your house. And Jesus smashes a stronghold in his life because he comes to his house, this famous rabbi who doesn't know him, doesn't know his fun, just, I wanna be with you. I just wanna be with you. And Jesus comes and loves him and accepts him without his money And in that moment, it's like the stronghold was smashed. He gets up and he says, that's it, right now. I'm paying back everyone I've cheated and I'm giving a half to the poor. Just, he steps straight into God's word. I'm doing it. And he says, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this man. He's a son of Abraham. He's been accepted into the family. It's not enough to know. The other rich guy who came to Jesus saying, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, sell your possessions, give to the poor. He heard the word of God, but that didn't break the stronghold. It says he turned away sad because he was very rich. You see, God's word carries the power. It's those truth verses that are going to bring freedom, but they have to be implemented. And what that's going to mean for many of us is taking practical steps in the opposite direction, where you once had a stronghold that stopped you from doing this. Now, by faith, truth verse, step in and believe that God will bring the breakthrough. <clears throat> and last weapon is Holy Spirit prayer. Jesus <clears throat> sitting at a well and a woman comes to draw water. They're having a conversation, but as they're having a conversation, I bet you Jesus is praying, Holy Spirit, something's not right here. This woman is coming all by herself in the middle of the day to draw water. Holy Spirit, something doesn't feel right in this conversation. I'm just paraphrase, but I'm thinking this is what's happening. You see, the woman would normally go in groups together. It was like a community thing. And they'd go early in the morning when it's cool or in the evening when it's cool, but not by yourself in the middle of the day. And Jesus is probably looking at the situation, Holy Spirit, something's not right. And I bet you in that moment, the Holy Spirit drops into Jesus' heart just to ask her to call her husband. So he says, okay, uh, will you call your husband? Bam, stronghold revealed. She says, I don't have a husband. I've had five husbands, and the man I'm living with now is not my husband. What was the stronghold? 
Most commentators believe that she was probably barren. She couldn't have children. And in those days and in that culture, you marry a woman, she can't have children. You're worthless, and he divorces her. She's desperate, looks for another husband, gets married. He discovers she can't have children, divorces her. You're good for nothing. If you can't produce children for me, what value have you? Husband number three, husband number four, husband number five, given up on marriage altogether. Absolute stronghold of rejection inside of her. I'm worthless. So now she hasn't got friends, isolated by herself, middle of the day, fetching water. Jesus steps. Now a Jewish man should never speak to a Samaritan woman. This Jewish man engages in conversation. She realizes he's a prophet, but she, he takes the time to speak to her. She feels loved and accepted by this man, and a stronghold in her life is demolished. She goes into town, calls the whole town. They all get saved. Jesus stays for a whole bunch of days. What happened? The Holy Spirit, through Holy Spirit prayer, he can point out, what are those truth verses? What is that lie that the enemy is building strongholds in your life, and how are we going to smash it? Steve Neverling was sharing a little story at our staff meeting or somewhere the, the other day, and he was saying he had a couple, and if it's you, sorry, I don't know who you are, he just said there was a couple. And this couple, they'd been obviously, the guy hadn't committed adultery, but was on a journey towards adultery. He was straying out of bounds, and, and she was absolutely devastated. She discovers this, and she's with a sense of like indignation. He has violated the vows that we made. He said he'd be faithful to me for the rest of his life, and now he's starting to engage with this other woman. Uh. Steve, like, I don't know what to do right now. But like Steve would do, he's like, please, dear God, help me. And he felt the Holy Spirit say, well, what did you vow to? So he just said, well, to her, well, what, what did you vow to? And then as she looks, she just the realization came. I said, he, she, he, she said, to be by your side through better and through worse. Well, there we go. She, she was standing there criticizing him because he's not living up to his vow when she was violating it as well. Turned around and they restored their marriage. Holy Spirit, pray to open up those doors. Does that make sense? So church, we've got some strongholds to deal with over the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about it because I'm trusting God. We want to see radical transformation. Number one, it's going to take humility. This is not the time to guard our hearts and close them. It's going to require some confession, honesty to God. Let's bring it out into the light. It's going to require the Word of God. That's where the power comes from. Those truth verses, the stones that bring down giants, we need them. Number three, it's going to take obedience. It means action. We have to take a step in the opposite direction to our stronghold. We're going to take steps of obedience. And then number four, Holy Spirit, we need to be listening, listening, asking the Holy Spirit for those keys that are going to reveal the truth verses, the truth steps, the power to be able to break free. Amen. And may the Lord bring about great breakthroughs in our thinking in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, please?